Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I encourage you to be doing your daily reading. Um, If not through the church, we have these little daily reading schedules that are in the agape boxes. They're free. We get them every year, many, many of them. We we reorder them, so I know they're being taken, but I encourage you to get them. If you read through this, like uh, today is what? December 13th. So today was Hosea 9 and 10 and 1 Peter 3 and 4. Um, if you have your own daily reading schedule, so be it. Praise God. But uh, if you've been doing that, you'll notice that Hosea is America right now. It's, it, there's, the correlation is unbelievable. And then yesterday, as I was doing my de- devotion time in First Peter, I just wanted to read First Peter chapter 1, 1 through 16, to give us an exhortation and encouragement for the days we're living in. Because um, some people say, well, if my party would have won, it would have been the hand of God. Well, my party lost, so it's not the hand of God. Um, wrong. The hand of God is the hand of God. God raises up, God takes down. But we're here as believers not for a party affiliation. We're here as believers for ambassadors for Christ. And we have to make sure that we keep our perspective focused on eternity and not the temporal. So in 1 Peter 1 it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for our obedience, notice this, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, notice the triunity of the Godhead there, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Was Peter living it during a time of prosperity and Christians had the best chariots and the best donkeys and the best camels and all the best stuff? Or was Peter living in a time where persecution was severe? Persecution was severe. So what does he say to the believers? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. You see, they didn't vote for the Caesars back then. They had no rights. Yet what does Peter say? And I have it highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to have a Bible or highlight your, however you're going to do that. But I encourage you to highlight the scriptures. A living hope. A living hope. Any person is going to disappoint you. You stick around here long enough and I will disappoint you. I am not your hope. Jesus is our living hope. Through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we'll see this in our Acts this morning as we get into Acts. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. This is why you want to do a daily devotional. That was great encouragement to me yesterday. I hope it's an encouragement to you. And if you haven't done it, go back and start at 1 Peter. Read yesterday. Read today. And you'll be greatly encouraged because right now, the way things are going, and if they play out, our earthly inheritance could be wiped out very quickly. And if that is what our hope is based upon, we're all going to be very depressed. But that's not what my hope is based upon. My hope is based upon Jesus. And that's what all of our hope needs because we have a living hope. 
to an inheritance? Are you storing up treasure in heaven? As we've talked about so many times over the years. Or are you just hiding all of your funds or you're planning your this or you're planning that for when I retire and oh, I'm doing this and that. Notice what Peter says, to an inheritance incorruptible. What did Jesus say? Store up treasure in heaven where thieves cannot break in and steal, where moths do not eat, where rust does not corrupt. Jesus said this, guys. He said, store up treasure in heaven, not on earth, because you're going to die. You're going to leave it behind, and they'll blow it. Reserved, it does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Notice verse 5 here who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you be grieved by various trials. Guys, this is a reality with our Christian faith. Unfortunately, you know, about 30 years ago, health and wealth came into American Christianity. The blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it, nonsense, where supposedly no Christian is supposed to be poor, no Christian is supposed to have bad health, no Christian is supposed to have a bad day. Persecution doesn't come to Christians because we're Americans. We're God's kids. They weren't reading their Bible. You know, guys, we read our Bibles here. We are going to go through various trials. That the, why? That the genuineness of your faith. You see the point there, guys? Do we believe in man or do we believe in God? Where is our faith? Is it genuine faith? You see, the world right now is putting all their, I shouldn't say all, but a majority of the world is putting their faith in a vaccine. Is the vaccine really going to cure? Because I think they have a vaccine every year. It's called the flu, influenza. And every year, 30 to 60,000 people die of the regular flu, which see how many people have died so far this flu season. You're going to find very few people. It's all COVID, 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 COVID. Fear, 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 fear. Control, control, control. Where are we putting our hope in? Now, again, there's nothing wrong with vaccines. Don't send me a letter. All that stuff. Hey, great, great. But we've got to go back to the reality. Where is my faith? Is my faith in God or is my faith in a vaccine? That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Notice that. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We all want to hear that. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We all want to hear that. But we don't want our faith tested. No, when our faith is tested, our faith is built. Whom having not seen, you love. I haven't seen Jesus. I don't think anybody here has seen Jesus. But we love Jesus. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of joy. Notice what he's full of glory. You know what he just said there? Look at it. Joy inexpressible. Is your, is your salvation, can you have a hard time explaining it? Because you know you, when you die, you're going to heaven? Or you walk around bummed out because who's going to be in the White House? Guys, we're going to heaven no matter who's in the White House. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. Notice that, searched carefully. And as I've been encouraging you to do, search carefully. Revelation chapter 13. There is going to be a one world government. 
There is going to be a one-world monetary system. There is going to be a one-world religion, whether you like it or not. But if you know it, you're going to be okay with it because God's hand is in it. He is bringing it to pass. His word will never fall short. Who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating, the Holy Spirit there, giving them the word of prophecy, when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us. See, the Old Testament prophets didn't get to see Jesus. Most of them did not. John baptized Jesus. But he still didn't know if he was the Christ. You'll remember the story if you read your Bible. John sent his disciples, are you the one or do we wait for another one? Are we looking for another one? Even John doubted when he was in prison. Why am I in prison? This isn't Christianity. Why am I in prison? Which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, because of these things, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. The idea is there, the the loins, gird up, soldier, belt, holding on weapons. Get prepared for battle. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. That doesn't mean against alcohol. It just means be aware of what's going on around you. Know the scriptures. Learn the scriptures and be aware of what's taking place. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, point here, not conforming yourselves to, your, to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who co- called you is holy, you also be holy. Notice this in all your conduct. Very important as we go to the workplace and debate politics or debate theology. Make sure that you speak the truth in love. There's enough hate going around. They don't need a Christian spewing hate. That's all over the the media. We need to be different. Why? Because verse 16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Let's look at our text this morning as we turn to Acts chapter 25, chapter 26, 25, 13. How can I be holy? It is only through the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and you do not have Jesus as your Savior, your good works will not save you and your good works don't make you holy. If you're watching over the internet and you turn into a religious service, you've not turned into a religious service, this is a Bible study and none of your good deeds will save you nor make you holy. The Bible says no one is good, no, not one. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're choosing hell over heaven and you need to make a better choice. So in our text, we're going to get into Acts. We want to remember this because Paul is going to show us his conduct this morning. He's being held, false accusations, but he's going to show us his conduct. Father, we thank you and praise you that we have your Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And you have not given us a spirit of fear as we see being propagated over the whole world. Lord, you've not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us your Holy Spirit that we would have a sound mind 
not trusting in men or women or a company or a government over you, but trusting in you first and foremost. Yes, being wise, washing our hands and doing those various things, being respectful of one another, but yet not living in fear. Father, you've you've not caused that for us. So deliver. Anyone watching or anyone even here this morning that's living in fear, lift their eyes to heaven, Father. You have a greater plan according to the word than anyone in this world has ever thought about. You're into saving souls and that's why we're here this morning to be encouraged to go out and be an ambassador for Christ to help win souls for you, Father. So I pray for the gift of teaching. Lord, be glorified through your word this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new or visiting, in our previous study of Acts, Paul had appealed to be tried of his false accusations before Augustus, and after Festus talked it over with his counsel, he agreed to send Paul to Rome to be judged by Caesar Nero. And as we continue on with Paul this morning, we're going to see that he is once again giving his testimony about Jesus being the Messiah. And if you're new to the Bible, Old Testament, Hebrew, it's called the Messiah's coming. New Testament, Greek, written in Greek, Christ. It's a title, the same title, the Anointed One. Now he'll be standing in front of the Roman governor Festus, King Herod Agrippa II, and Herod's sister Bernice. But if we look ahead to 2523, go ahead and look at 2523. So the next day when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pomp and had entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city. Notice that there's a crowd gathered at this point that Paul is going to be addressing. So let's get into our text. Acts chapter 25, verse 13. And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to greet Festus. Let's just do a little history lesson to realize that the same problems we have today are the problems they had then. And Paul is going to have an opportunity to share the gospel, and you and I have an opportunity to share the gospel. So we've got to make sure we keep that proper perspective. Here, once again, we see that Herod, see another Herod. And we need to remember that Herod is a title, and it's not their name. This is Herod Agrippa II and will be the final authority to end the Herod dynasty when he dies in 100 AD. Agrippa II ruled over the northern area of Israel, known today as Galilee, from 50 to 70 AD. His father, Agrippa I, was the one who had the apostle James killed in Acts 12, 1 through 2. His great-grandfather was Herod the Great, who had all the male babies killed in Bethlehem and the surrounding area because of the wise men's proclamation of a newborn king found in Matthew 2, 1 through 17. His great uncle was Herod Antipas, who had John the Baptist beheaded and who also judged Jesus prior to the crucifixion. His sister Drusilla, whom we studied about a few Sundays ago, is present as well. Bernice was also the sister to Herod Agrippa II. Think about that. Bernice was also the sister to Herod Agrippa II. 
This is a, quite the family that we've been seeing here lately. According to Josephus, the Jewish historian, who we don't believe was a believer, Bernice was first married to a man named Marcus. Then she married her uncle, who was the brother of Agrippa I, the king of Chalcis. After his death, she married the king of Cilicia named Palamo, but after him shortly, but left him shortly after the wedding. We now find her hanging around her brother in what history tells us was an incestuous relationship. Joseph Re- Josephus records that later in her life she became the mistress of Vespian and then to his son Titus who marched on and destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. This is Bernice. Agrippa II and Drusilla were all related. You see, Herods, they wanted to keep the power in the family, literally. It hasn't changed much with modern-day politics. So we see here Agrippa and Bernice come to pay a friendly visit to this new governor over the area of Syria, which was larger than and included most of modern-day Israel. Let's look at verses 14 through 21. And as we look at those verses, Festus talks to Agrippa about the current situation with a prisoner named Paul. And since Agrippa was half Jew, this situation interested him. He wanted to know more about why the religious Jews wanted to have Paul killed. Augustus, which means consecrated, holy, sacred, was the name given to Octavian who ruled over Rome more than 44 years up until his death in 14 AD. Augustus. This title was a name that was passed on to all of the succeeding Roman emperors. So again, Augustus means consecrated, holy, sacred. They believe themselves to be a god, little g. So when Luke mentions Augustus here, he is referring to Caesar Nero in verses 14 through 21. When they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, there is a certain man left a prisoner by Felix. Notice that. What did, she, what did Jesus say to Paul on the road to Damascus? You're going to witness to me. You're going to witness about me before kings. Where is Paul right now? Many years later, after three missionary journeys, after being shipwrecked, beaten, stoned literally to death, where is Paul right now? He's standing before a king. Is he, compla- is he going to complain about his whole life of Christianity and how bad it was? Or is he going to give the gospel? He's going to give the gospel. It's an example for you and me. We can complain all day long about how bad it is in America. Or we can share the gospel. Because I think pretty much everybody knows how bad it's getting. That's pretty obvious. But it's not obvious that God loves somebody. God could even love me. You, you don't know who I am. I don't want to know who you are per se. But I can tell you God loves you. I can guarantee you that. No, God couldn't love me. Yes, God loves you. Guys, that's our calling as Christians. There's a certain man left a prisoner by Felix about whom the chief priest and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem asking for a judgment against him. To them I answered, it is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets the accuser's face to face, and has opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charge against him. Therefore, when they had come together without any delay, the next day I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. 
When the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I supposed, but had some questions against him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters. But when Paul appealed to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. So Augustus, Caesar, Augustus, title, Caesar, title. So it's the same person. Verse 22, then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. He was intrigued. There's no accusations that can hold water. And he's been in prison for two years for just saying that he believes in the resurrection of a dead man? Is this modern day Christianity or what, guys? Are you and I as Christians being mocked about believing in a dead man who supposedly came back to life and supposedly now sits in heaven at the right hand of God the Father? If you stand up for Jesus nowadays, you are going to be mocked and ridiculed about those very things. Tomorrow, he said, Agrippa was so excited, you shall hear him. Festus just can't wait. So the next day when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pomp and had entered the auditorium with the commanders and prominent men of the city at Festus's command, Paul was brought in. This is most likely the same amphitheater that Herod Agrippa I died in back in Acts 12, 19 through 23. And when we visit Israel, we always visit this beautiful site, Caesarea, and we actually go into the amphitheater and we actually do the teaching there on the steps of the amphitheater looking out towards the Mediterranean Sea, just a few hundred yards away. And those of you who have been to Israel right now, your mind's having a flashback. You go, I remember that place. I mean, it's gorgeous, beautiful. So we see that Festus here, Agrippa, Bernice, as well as many of the prominent men of the area had gathered to hear about this continuing situation over a prisoner named Paul. Did Paul plan on sharing with these various people from this high social status? Probably not. How about for you and I? Do we plan sometimes for intersections into people's lives that we have no idea? It happens. And we don't plan, but we should be studying so that when we do have that opportunity, we have an answer to give that person of the living hope that we have in the Republican Party, in the Democratic Party. No, the living hope that we have in God. Every other system of mankind will fail. Let's look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, it was in today's reading. See, he's going to make the most of the opportunity. And for you and I, again, I greatly encourage you, no matter how old you are, young or you're in your 70s or 80s, have a daily reading, your own personal devotional time. And not just a little one verse daily bread thing where you're reading several chapters. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 17 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. The word sanctify there, it means to set apart. 
Set apart. Set apart time to be with God. We can set apart hours to be in front of Fox News or the Communist National Network or whatever it is. But do we set apart time to be with God? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness, with humility, and fear, holy reverence. That's what fear is there. Humility and holy reverence. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, churches cannot meet. And because churches meet, the virus is being spread, you Christians are bad. That was what is clearly being stated in many states in the United States of America. Forget the Constitution. The Bible says we need to assemble. We need to assemble. It's mandatory that we assemble. We need one another. Yet the government is telling us you are the problem. People would not be dying if it wasn't for you. Really? Feel free to get that little tract that we put together because today over 5,700 people are going to die of the 10 leading causes of death in America. 5,700 people are going to die over that. According to 2017 stats, CDC stats. Back then, I think it was 5,703 people died per day of the 10 leading causes of death in America. Per day. Not per month, per day, 5,700. So when they come on the news and say, 3,000 people died of COVID yesterday. Feel free to do your homework, but if you want to be scientific about it. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God. Notice this, verse 17, Christian. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. To me, the lockdown is evil. Suicide rates are up. Depression is up. Abuse is up. And here they say these things on the national news, but then they turn around with the same breath and say, but we still need to lock down. We've got all these problems. We're causing all these problems but we still got to lock down. We haven't locked down enough. The enemy has come but to steal, kill, and destroy according to the word of God. John 10, 10. But Jesus goes on to say, I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. Let's look back in Acts. You see, Paul was brought forth and history records Paul as being physically short, bent over, a long crooked nose, and oozing eyes. He probably most likely had an eye ailment. He wrote about himself in 2 Corinthians 10.10. Now this is him writing about himself. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak. And his speech contemptible. And that word contemptible means despised, looked down upon. Also, what's interesting to think about is that by this time, Paul is in his late 60s or early 70s. So in comes this little old man into this huge amphitheater and the people look at him. 
His appearance is nothing to take notice of, but rather looks like an old man who is being mistreated, one who is being held in prison without any substantial charges. You see, this was disturbing to Festus for most obvious reasons. Verses 24 through 27 And Festus says, King Agrippa and all the men who are present here with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, that'd be the Sanhedrin, both in Jerusalem and here, crying out that he was not fit to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing deserving of death and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I decided to send him. I have nothing certain to write to my Lord concerning him. Therefore, I have brought him out before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the examination has taken place, I have made something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not specify the charges against him. In verses 1 through 3 of, verse, of chapter 26, Paul knew Agrippa and makes mention of his outstanding, his understanding of the Jewish faith. And this is key to what Paul is going to share about with these people. And remember that Paul is now standing in front of a group of possible thousands, possibly, when, if your mind's flashing back, or you can go on the internet and see this amphitheater, can hold thousands. He's going to once again share his testimony. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews or by the Sanhedrin, the religious elite especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. So going back to the Old Testament. To this promise are 12 tribes earnestly serving God night and day. Hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Sanhedrin. Notice that Paul makes mention of the 12 tribes that were there at that time and will be gathered together again. There's no such thing as the lost tribes of Israel. God knows exactly who is a part of every tribe in 2020. And according to Revelation chapter 7, God is going to seal 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe of the children of Israel. You see, man may not know where or who belongs to the 12 tribes of Israel currently. But God does. And you can find this on the internet. You can find this, unfortunately, where we have replaced the Jews. The church has replaced the Jews. God's done with the Jews. No, God is not done with the Jews. Never has, never will be. 
God does, and we know that from the scriptures that God is definitely not through with the nation of Israel even today. This tiny little nation, guys, is the focus of the whole world and the UN almost every single day. Almost every single day in the UN, Jerusalem is brought up. God has a plan for Jerusalem, for Israel as a country. So verse 8 why should it be thought incredibly incredible by you that God raises the dead? You see, if a person believes in the opening verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. If you can believe in that, if you're here today as a Christian, you believe in that, why is it so hard to believe that God could raise somebody from the dead? This is, this is Paul's argument. What, what's the deal here? What's the problem? It's, it's not a problem. The whole issue of Paul's arrest and subsequent trials has been because he proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So Paul lays it out right there in front of these people who are supposed to represent the social elite of the day. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary, verse 9, to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison. He's sharing his testimony. Having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. He tortured them. This is a part of Paul's testimony. And being being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Why was Paul so mad or enraged at the believers? I believe that his conscience over Stephen was probably eating him alive at this point. In Acts 7.60, we read this. Then Stephen, or Stephen, however you like to pronounce it, knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. As he's literally being stoned to death by the religious elite and other Jews, other zealous Jews. What's he saying? Forgive them. Forgive them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, which is a nice way of saying he died. He died. What did Jesus say on the cross? On the cross. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You see, guys, as Christians today, this needs to be our prayer with those who come against us and attack us as being bad people. We don't love people because we're still going out to restaurants. We don't, we don't wear a mask 24-7. And if you want to wear a mask, no knocking, no lack of faith, don't even go there. I'm not suggesting that. People need to wear them. Fine, wear them. But is anyone not wearing them a bad person and doesn't love people? Really? That's the road we're going to go. I think in eighth grade, when our children were in eighth grade and they bullied somebody, we corrected them. And we said, that's not going to happen. You don't bully people. But now we have a whole society of adult bullies bullying one another, depending on what position you want to take, on what is right and what is wrong. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. It's just just really, really crazy, the days we're living in. 
While this thus occupied, notice verse 12, while I was doing my business of killing Christians, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the Sanhedrin, the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, notice that, Hebrew language, and Saul, Paul, knew Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, he could have spoken in any language, so we believe that in heaven we're going to be speaking Hebrew. Praise God, isn't that going to be great? I tried to learn Hebrew, it's very hard. English is hard enough for me. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? And the goads there is just basically a long stick with a sharp point on it, and when you were plowing a field, you would jab the animal in the buttocks to get them to move. So Paul is kicking against the Holy Spirit. He's kicking against Christ. He's kicking against God. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So again, notice, guys, do you know your testimony? Paul shared his testimony. Now he's crossing over into Christianity. So keep your testimony short. The world knows about drugs and sex and all that stuff. Keep that short. This is who I was. This is how I came to know Christ. If, if they don't know how to come to Christ, if you just say, well, I, was, I became a Christian. I've had, that's been great ever since. Well, how do I do that? So work into how you became a Christian. Again, short and concise. This is what, this is what Paul is doing. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of things which you have seen and of things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes. Guys, this again is our call as believers. Please don't try to open somebody else's eyes to their political incorrectness. You're of the wrong party. It's not going to work. Open their eyes to Jesus because it's not about a political party. It's about are you going to heaven or not? You can vote your whole life. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So what does Paul say? What is Saul saying? Guys, before we knew Jesus Christ as our Savior, we were in the power of Satan. Now, you might be young in the Lord and you don't understand that. Study your Bible. You are a son or a daughter of the wicked one, the scriptures say. You were doing the will of demonic forces. That's what the scriptures teach us. Not everyone is a child of God. That's a lie from the pit of hell to make people feel good so that they don't repent. No, we need to repent. So there is a power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified, set apart by faith in me. Here Paul gives the main reason for the gospel. The people of this world are walking in darkness. Let's look at, let's look at John chapter 3, 14 through 21. The Lord talked about this on an evening meeting with Nicodemus in John three fourteen through 21. 
and explains why we see happening happening. You might be watching the news right now. It's grieving to me. But as I read the Bible, I know what's happening has to happen according to the scriptures to be fulfilled. So it's grieving, yes, but I have peace with God because it has to happen. We gotta make sure we understand this. John chapter 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You'll find this story in the book of Numbers. Do not bypass Numbers in your daily reading. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice that, especially for those on internet that believe in the Son of God. Not that you believe in the Republican or the Democrat or you believe in whatever government. No, if you don't believe in the Son of God, hell awaits you. God sends no one to hell. You're rejecting what I'm saying, so you're choosing to go to hell yourself. God sends no one to hell. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And Jesus is that light. Remember when John was baptizing? And John said, I'm not the light, he's the light. Jesus is the light of the world. When, why? Let's go back and read that again. And this is the condemnation, verse 19, that the light has come into the world and men or mankind there, that word men is mankind, male and female, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but for those of you who were doing evil things before you knew Christ, How many of you were probably planning for the next weekend after the weekend you just lived? And how many of you thought that was such a great time, I want to do it again, but I'm going to do it better, and I'm going to do it this way? Because you were in darkness, and darkness just seemed to have so much fun until you finally woke up and realized, this is not fun, this is bad in a lot of ways. But my deeds were evil. I didn't want to come into the light. I don't want to tell the truth when asked certain questions. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light. Well, guys, why do they hate Christianity today? That this country was founded on. This country was founded on Christianity. Why is it hated today? Because you are light. And as you walk in love, not self-righteousness, but as you walk in love and you let people know there are absolutes and we shouldn't do certain things, you are illuminating their dark world and that bothers them. Just like it used to bother you. Once you received Christ, then it didn't bother you so much. You actually found relief and you can find relief as well by coming to the light, receiving Jesus. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light. 
that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. You see, Jesus is coming back. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back right on time, guys. People still need Jesus, and you and I are the ones who carry the gospel or good news to our coworkers, neighbors, classmates, family, and friends. I'm going to say that again because I know you're trying to find a scripture there. People still need Jesus. And you and I are the ones who carry the gospel or good news to our coworkers, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. You see, believers are ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Not for the Constitution or for a political party, nor for any other group that has earthly intentions. We are ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Guys, as we look at what's going on right now, somebody's lying. Is this not obvious? Now, depending on which side you're on, the other side is lying. But when you just step back and look at the big picture, somebody is lying. And not just one or two people. Millions of people are lying, again, depending on which side you're on. That's just reality. So it shouldn't surprise us that we're going down this road because we're born to lie. And if you don't think so, just remember back when you were three or four or five, you did it on a regular basis. Did you just touch that? No. Did you just lie to me? No. And you, you know you did. You can't even look at your parents in the eyes. They grab your cheeks. They're holding your face. And what do your eyeballs do? Your eyeballs are going this way, this way, this way. No, look at me in the eye. Look at me in the eye. No, I can't look at you in the eye. I'm lying to you. Verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, just like we were perishing. Perishing there means not dying because we're all going to die. Eternal separation from God. I was a Roman Catholic. I was going to church every Sunday, but I was going to hell. I knew God, I knew the name Jesus, I knew there was a Holy Spirit. They read the Bible at every Mass, but I could not care less. I didn't have a clue, I was partying, I just wanted to do various things. Until I received Jesus, then the veil was removed, and then I actually started carrying my Catholic Bible to Mass. And people were looking at me like, what are you doing? And I actually read my Catholic Bible every day. And as I read my Catholic Bible, the truth got in my mind, which then changed my soul, and I came to realize there's some problems in this church. And we now elevate church teaching above the Bible in contradictions, and I go, no, I can't do that. And I had to leave the Roman Catholic Church for that very reason. The Bible doesn't contradict. So if you're trying to defend something that is opposed by the Bible, stop. You're going you're, you're to lose. Why? Whose mind the God, notice this little g, the God of this age has blinded. Guys, do you know the Antichrist is most likely alive today? There has been the spirit of Antichrist that's been around for thousands of years, but the Antichrist is most likely alive today. And he's going to be empowered, according to the word of God, he's going to be empowered by Satan himself. Okay? This is, this is not going to be an ordinary human being as we know. 
Yes, he's a human being, but he's going to be possessed and have supernatural powers in whose mind the God of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, the glory of God, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Guys, that's your and mine. That is our deal right there. The enemy has only the power and authority that we allow him to have over our lives, unbeliever or believer. A believer cannot be demon-possessed, but we can be demon-oppressed. If a person feeds their fleshly desires, they will open themselves up to the enemy and his tactics. If they do not discern or deprive those desires, they will eventually allow themselves to come under the authority of the enemy. Again, it is when this happens that a person makes a choice of not coming into the light. For you and I, even as believers, we don't come into the light so that their mind becomes blinded to the things of God. This doesn't mean you lose your salvation. I personally don't believe if you're a true believer that you can lose your salvation, but you can ruin your testimony, and I can ruin mine. So we have to be careful. They have made a willful choice to disobey the truth, and due to their blindness, they willfully go deeper into the darkness. But even at this point, here's the good news. If a person turns towards God, believer or unbeliever, and seeks him with their whole heart, didn't David do this on several occasions? That person will find God and find the answer to a peaceful life. Where in the New Testament, 2,000 years, 3,000 years after, 1,000 years after David lived, 3,000 years for us, but 1,000 years after David lived, in the New Testament, said of only one person in the whole Bible, David was a man after God's own heart. Mm, Really, God? After everything he did? Why? Because he repented. He was a man of repentance. Yes, he was a man of poor choices, but he was a man of repentance. A life of forgiveness and blessings, an inheritance that is incorruptible and uncomprehendable. We're running late, so we'll forego the last song. But let's remember this, guys. Paul is witnessing to these people who think that they're everything that this world has to offer. Sounds familiar to today, doesn't it? Vote for me. I'm everything that you need. I will make your life better. They have the comforts of this earthly life, but they do not have an assurance of the life that is to come. You see, Paul is sharing his testimony, but God is giving each and every person gathering at this meeting another chance. Think about this, guys. God is giving all of these people another chance to receive him. And guys, as we go to work, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, whatever it is, God is giving them through you, through me, Another opportunity to look to him. Guys, let's not blow it with Republican, Democrat, nonsense. Mask, no mask. Vaccine, no vaccine. Let's not, let's not cloud it. Let's just go directly to God. Do you know Jesus? You're going to die. Vaccine or no vaccine, you're going to die. Do you know God? Let's talk about the things that matter. You're going to make them uncomfortable. But don't they need to hear that? Because we're all going to die. Father, we thank you and praise you that death means nothing to a believer. It's just that threshold that we get to cross over and meet you face to face. To be absent from the body is to be present with you, Father. Your word promises that. And so we stand upon that promise. So, Father, for anyone listening that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that they would pray a simple prayer 
to receive Jesus as their Savior, that they would accept the repentance you're giving to them as a free gift. They would acknowledge that. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And they'd ask Jesus into their heart. For us as believers, Father, this day, give us strength. Give us strength as we go out into a world that is literally crumbling and falling apart. We see it. It's obvious. We don't need to wonder why. The God of this world has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But you have a far greater plan, Father. You, you, your will is that none would perish. And so as we go out, let us remember we have a living hope, a living hope. Let us show that living hope to those who cross our paths because they have no hope. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit during these next few weeks as we get together with family and friends. Um, There are so many people that are living in fear and they will not get together. They are purposing to stay away from family and friends. Lord, I know your Holy Spirit is working, so I pray as they maybe turn in, tune into a service that they'll realize I need Jesus and I don't need to be living in fear. They would come to know Jesus as their Savior. They'd receive him and have that wonderful assurance of eternal life. Use us this week, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we all stand, guys. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. And stay focused, guys. Stay focused. It's crazy out there, but God's got a plan for you and me. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.